In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. This is the Daily Memphian Politics Podcast. I'm Bill Drees. Our main event is City Council Chairman Kemp Conrad on the new City Council, the end-of-term agenda for the old Council, and a recent visit to Hungary. Top of the podcast, speaking of the Council, we record the day after the last election of 2019, the runoff elections in Council Districts 1 and 7, the challengers taking both Council seats, Rhonda Logan over Sherman Greer in District 1, and Michael in Easter Time. Thomas crushing Berlin Boyd in District 7. An abysmal turnout in each of these district races, not even approaching 10% in each district. Keep in mind that each of these district districts 1 and 7 have approximately 47,000 to 48,000 voters each. However, in the District 7 race, the turnout there last night of 2,702 voters was actually more than the turnout in this same district runoff four years ago. The turnout then was 1,908. The results of these two runoff races means the city council that takes office in January will have seven returning members and six new members. In the police political surveillance consent decree case, federal judge John McCullough denying the city's motion to change the terms of the decree that bars political surveillance by police. McCullough also pointing toward a process for police interactions with other agencies not covered by the decree that includes considerations about how the information from those outside the decree, was gathered. McCullough's language strong, saying as long as Memphis police are using probable cause and adhering to constitutional standards, this should not affect daily police work. He also said the city's proposed changes would, quote, eviscerate, and quoting again, erode the 41-year-old decree. Jerry Green, an attorney with the Community Legal Center, telling our Sam Stockard she will be running next year in the Democratic primary for State House District 83 and a challenge of Republican incumbent Mark White. Linda Moore reporting the county administration's investigation of where County Corrections Division Director Anthony Alexander lives has concluded he meets the county's residency requirement. This after the county commission passed a rare no-confidence resolution regarding Alexander. The investigation does not seem to have changed how the commission feels about the issue. Former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg says if he runs for the Democratic presidential nomination, it will begin with the Super Tuesday primaries March 3rd, the Tennessee presidential primaries being part of the pack. Bloomberg had filed by the Tuesday deadline to be on the ballot in neighboring Arkansas, another Super Tuesday state. Bloomberg's family philanthropy worked a lot with the Wharton mayoral administration on several trial programs and grants on this side of the river but not much of a political connection in that work. Bloomberg has one other connection to the state if he follows through and gets in the race. Al Gore's 1988 bid for the Democratic nomination also blew off the early states to start on Super Tuesday, Gore even going so far as to say that Iowa didn't matter. Former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani's 2008 bid for the Republican nomination also had a Super Tuesday start strategy without the rhetoric about Iowa, 
not mattering. Giuliani even doing a closed-door fundraiser at the racquet club here just before it all ended before the start of the election year. We're joined now by City Council Chairman Kemp Conrad. And as we record this, we are the day after the runoff elections for two City Council districts, Districts 1 and 7. So let's start there, Kemp. Uh, uh, The winners of the contest in District 1, Rhonda Logan, will be going to the council. Michael and Easter Thomas will be going to the council from District 7. Uh, both of those races, upsets of the incumbents who, who held those seats and, and were going for another term. So what do you think the voters were saying last night? Well, um, I think that uh, I don't live in those districts, so was not a recipient of the, the mail or the phone calls or the um, door-to-door messaging. So but um, whatever their message was, you know, resonated. I'm sure they, they worked very, very hard. And, uh, you know, as chairman, we're working really hard right now to make sure that all of the new members have a seamless transition and get up to speed as quickly as possible on uh, all the inner workings of city government. You know, city government's about a $700 billion business, and there's a lot to get, uh, to get your arms around. And so uh, after this, I'll be going to the council office and, uh, um, you know, reaching out, they'll be getting a letter. We've got a reception next week. Uh, the other four members, new members that won have been attending the council meetings, which has been great. And uh, we'll probably have an orientation coming up. So, uh, look forward to, you know, working with them over the next couple of months and getting them up to speed in city government as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So, so you have three more regularly scheduled council meetings as, as the chairman. And then that's also the end of your, your term on the council, which you've been on for 10 years. Uh, right about, yeah, about, right about 11 years. Cause I came in for the UNIC when Scott McCormick took the uh, position there at the Plow Foundation. So, mm-hmm was actually elected. Uh, my special election was when uh, President Obama ran against John McCain and he got first got elected. So that I was actually on that presidential ballot, which was interesting because typically city council races are, you know, like their own election, which is great. So being on that ballot was was interesting. A lot of people were going out out, out to vote. But mm-hmm. uh, and so then came in for the other three years of that term and then two full four year terms. You, you've done a couple of these orientations. You you did an orientation because you were chairman in 2016 That's right. when you also had six new council members who, who came in. So, so so talk a little bit about that that process. This isn't something that you have to do, but it's, it's, it's something that most bodies do because this is kind of another world. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, and we have time too. I think in county government, you know, the races are in August and you take, you know, you take your office in September. There's not a lot of time. And, um, I think one of the things that we have really, and and I've tried to focus on is bringing a, a business-like approach to government, just as it relates to collaboration, to teamwork, to relationship building. Um, and you know, you can accomplish a lot if you don't care who gets the credit. And, uh, I hope that that has for the large part kind of characterized the way city government has functioned the last four years, uh, with the mayor and the council working together and then the council, how we have worked together and then work with the community. And so, um, we, 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 we work really hard at that day one when the mayor first came in, you know, before that you had, you know, mayor or then councilman Strickland on the council, you had Harold Collins on the council and you had, uh, you know, mayor Wharton. And so all three of those folks running for mayor. And so 
the last 18 months of that council term was, um, you know, it was, it, it was, everybody was trying to get their shots in every, every kind of council meeting. And so, uh, we wanted to kind of operate in a new way. So anyway, we work really hard on that transition and building team and everything, getting people to know one another. And it's a lot, you know, you, you, you can disagree without being disagreeable. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know people and you know their families and you have those relationships, that's really the foundation for a long-term, you know, durability and getting things done. And so, uh, I, I hope that that will continue, um, you know, in the next four years, I think it's, uh, really one of the foundations on, on the reason why there's so many good things going on in this city. And, uh, and I sure hope that it continues. So I'm, I'm going to work my hardest through the end of my term to make sure that we, we lay that, 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 uh, that groundwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so seven returning council members, six new council members, how, how do you think that that balance works or, or is there a noticeable difference between a returning council member and a, and an incoming council member. Yeah. You know, I, I, I definitely think, I mean, uh, you know, I was, it, it takes a little bit of time to kind of get up to get up to speed on, on I mean, cause it is it's a lot, it's a lot to know. You have to, um, first of all, you've got to know the community. And I, and I think one of the good things is all the folks, I think all the new folks that are going to be on the council that they, they know the community. I mean, they've been in the communities and, and so they've got that piece. Um, you know, you've got to be able to get anything done in city government. You, you can't do it alone. You, you have to have six other people. You have to you know, at least count to seven and hopefully nine or 10. And so you've got to get those relationships built with your, with your fellow members and hopefully not just on a transactional basis. Hey, you know, vote for this or, but really based on a strategic framework for where you're going as a city and then, on, and then knowing the division directors and, and all those different things and the budget. So, I definitely think that the returning members um, kind of have that uh, that tribal knowledge and um, have a bit of a leg up on the inner workings of of city government. But listen, all six of the new people um, it, to to get elected to public office in the city council it's very very hard, and you've got to be savvy, and you've got to be a great communicator, and you have to be able to lead and mobilize and and all those things. And so, um, you know, I think it'll be a, it'll be a good group. I've really, it's been a privilege to work with, um, the six, uh, or the seven returning members. And, um, I know most of the, the, the new members that are coming on board. And, uh, so I think it's going to be a good group. I've been really impressed with over the last couple of months, how the four, uh, new members uh, that are already elected, they've been at basically all the meetings, the committee meetings, the full council meetings, asking questions, hanging around the offices and everything. I uh, mm-hmm. sent them a note that said, Hey, come hang out in the chairman's office, ask questions, you know, open book. And so they've been doing that. And I think that speaks to their commitment. And again, the goal is when they're in office in January, they've already had two or three months being in committee hearings and they know what's going on and they can, you know, slot right in and, and not miss a beat. So Memphis won't miss a beat. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, with three council meetings left, what, what is on the end of term agenda? What, what do you want to get done before the new council comes in? Well, you, you've written a couple articles about, uh, you know, about our, our, we've got an aggressive agenda. I've got a lot, lot going on. I think, uh, you know, there's, uh, possibly something in, you know, in the pinch district, which was, uh, kind of, um, announced at the county commission meeting. Uh, that something there could be possible. Um, Union Row has uh, done some kind of tweaking of their plan, uh, which will need some additional uh, changes there. Uh, we've got the MLGW budget. Um, we'll see if we can get that uh, that done this year. That's a that's a very big decision, and it includes some rate hikes in it. 
Mm-hmm. It, it does. Um, you know, I, it, you know, it's interesting. We, we get, we get beat up for when there's storms and the power goes out. And then when the only way to invest in that is, is to have more money. And then we, we get beat up on rate hikes. And so, um, mm-hmm. but yes, there, there is, uh, increases. I will say that because of the work, the council did not voting on the budget earlier this year, working with MLGW, uh, over the last year, the, uh, rate increase is about 25% less than it was when they originally presented their budget. So, you know, I think we have a duty in the fiduciary to keep our rates, our taxes as low as possible, but still provide a, a, a good quality service. And so uh, the reality is most of MLGW's budget is purchase power from TVA. Uh, we have some of the lowest rates in the country, um, and we have got to invest in our infrastructure. Um, and uh, they've done, I think, a good job coming back with some uh, some savings over the long term. It's about, uh, about $40 million recurring, and it's about 10% of their, what they can control in their kind of O&M budget, if you take out capital spending. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a 10% overall cost reduction recurring going forward, um, that's a lot of work to get to that point and still be able to offer the same level of service. Uh, I met with JT uh, this Saturday, or I'm sorry, this past week, and we went through through the budget. I've got some other ideas on how to bring some cost savings up, even on, on some different things. As an example, these community centers, uh, that we have where you can pay your bill. Mm-hmm. Well, there, I think there are five of those. Well, there are 80 other places that you can pay your bill. Uh, but we do offer credit counseling in these as well. Very important for a lot of Memphians. Um, but there are also other city resources near a lot of these uh, centers, libraries, a community center. Um, you know, the uh, County Commissioner Edmund Ford does a lot of credit counseling work now, you know, with the city of Memphis through our library system. So, you know, is that something that the city can do? So those are all, you know, a million, two million a piece. I think that was $7 million. So if we can move that up, move those savings up, then maybe we can get the rates more. So we're still working on it, but I think that we've kept those rates flat for a long time. And at some point you've got to increase them. Our goal is to keep the increase as low as possible, but still do the infrastructure. Another thing is too, when power goes out and we're looking at these numbers as well, if your power's out for, you know, 24, 48 hours and, you know, your refrigerator, you have to go back to the store. The cost of that far outweighs what the, um, you know, what these increases are. So we're really trying to look at all those things and, and just make the best decision. But we never take more money from the pockets of Memphians until it's absolutely necessary. And we know that we have done everything we can to kind of lean up a budget. Another thing I'm proud of is uh, since I've been on the council and in city government, um, we have not had a property tax increase or a sales tax increase of, of any kind. So we have run city government efficiently and we have done it on the same amount of money over the last decade. And I don't think there are probably many governments out there or many businesses that have never raised their price in terms of their, you know, what they charge to provide a service. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we've made some tough decisions, but uh, I think that's what Memphians expect, expect of us. And I think it's, again, the foundation of a lot of the growth we have going on now and through that economic development, we'll continue to be able to lift more people 
uh, out of poverty and into prosperity. Um, You've also got uh, a proposal to expand the residency requirement for for police to include uh, hiring folks who live within a two-hour drive of Memphis. You want to get that done before January? I I think we should. I I think uh, our number one duty as a government is to keep people safe. I mean, that is the federal government, it's defense. You know, that's something only the federal government can do. When it comes to local government providing for the public safety, that is our number one job. And we should do whatever we can to keep people safe. I think it's a it's an interesting debate to have. I think there it's one of those issues where there are uh, arguments to be made on either side. Um, I would rather uh, in a perfect world. But one of my sayings, especially in city government, is never let perfect get in the way of good. I would love it and absolutely want all of us want people living in the city. We want our employees, if possible, living in the city. Um, but the reality is, and you know, Chief McGowan, he was the head of naval recruiting for the entire country. He knows what he is doing. If you look at all the things that we have done to accelerate our police hiring, um, I mean, we're going to hire almost 200 police officers this year, the most since 2009. We are doing a really good job bringing people on board, but it's a tough job. It's a hard job to recruit for. I think about three fourths of the of the population you can't even recruit for various you know reasons, um, prior convictions, drug use, whatever. So you're it's a it's a narrow population. We've we've done a good job in everything we've done, but we need to get to twenty three hundred police officers, and so. To me, the litmus test issue is simply um, if you are about to be a victim of a crime and you or your family is about to be um, attacked, robbed, murdered, whatever, do you really care where that person lives? If they're willing to put their life on the line to save you and your family, are you going to say, well, before you do, do you live in Millington or do you live in Memphis? I don't think you care. We'd rather them live here. But the reality is there might be a great future uh, police officer. And I do think law enforcement is a, is a calling. Um, they may live in Fayette County or in Millington and they have young children that are in school and they, they, you know, they can still come here and do the job. They can still care and have a heart for Memphis, but not live here um, because of their family situation. Do we really not want to bring that person in? So I'd rather the, the folks live in Memphis, but if, if, it, if it makes us a safer city and it saves one life, that is what ultimately is going to bring more and more people into Memphis is if we are a safer uh, city. And I think uh, that by expanding it, uh, it accomplishes that goal. And mm-hmm. I respect our police director. They are the experts. I know intimately how they have the strategies that we're deploying to recruit. We've been a part of it. We've helped call recruits and uh, get them, you know, say, are you coming tomorrow to the, you know, to the training? We've done more physical training. We've run with recruits. We've, you know, we've been a part of it. Some of us have. So I get frustrated when I hear sometimes my colleagues say, you need to go do this and do that when I don't think some have a clue what's been done. So mm-hmm. I support it. Long answer to your question. I'm sorry. But um, I, no, 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 that's good. I'll uh, say too, I think the more, you know, it's like, it's kind of like Groundhog's Day. You know, we, when I first got on the council, we were trying to get the residency uh, to Shelby County. Um, you know, for the, all city employees, uh, but it was focused on police. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, of course the pension healthcare, now that's back. And, uh, 
solid waste. You know, we, we fought the solid waste battle uh, many years ago and actually um, got the votes to really save a lot of money by outsourcing more of, of that work. And here we are again, it's in, in the last uh, three meetings, all these things are back in front of us. So uh, that's, you know, it'd be nice if you could get things, big things done and put it in the rear view and keep marching forward. But some of these came, mm-hmm. things keep circling back around. So you, You've also got CLURB coming back again, the Civilian Law Enforcement Review Board. And, and Councilman Worth Morgan has a proposal that would, in effect, make the council, the city council, the Civilian Law Enforcement Review Board. What What do you think? Yeah, about I think that? Uh, I think this is probably one where um, I don't think this. I think this is probably something that will be get held, and and Councilman Morgan will continue to work on this and really finding the the right mix. Uh, I think I originally thought that was probably when this came back up the right approach. I'm I'm not sure now, and I don't think it's something that we need to get done by the end of the year. So. Um, you know, as I did a little bit more research after we, we introduced that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not so sure that that was the right answer. So I'll, you know, when I'm wrong, I'll be the first to admit it or, Hey, I, I, uh, I learned a little bit more since I proposed something, probably a good time to you know, maybe pull it back. So, mm-hmm. uh, Councilman Morgan though, has spent a lot of time on the issue and, uh, I think he'll continue to, uh, look at this, um, going into next year and have meetings and really, um, do a lot of due diligence before uh, any any decision is made, but um, it's not something that uh, that we're gonna that we're gonna do. We'll probably you know decide to hold that on uh, on Tuesday. So, okay. um, so very very important issue, you know, on how on how that's uh, on how that's done. Very sensitive issue, and and I do think you know as a part of the uh, discussion around um, the two hour ring. We also need to make sure that we are doing a great job on kind of cultural competence training for officers and, and things like that and making sure. Um, what, one of the things, too, is, you know, in law enforcement of the past, it was, um, you know, it was much more uh, kind of aggressive in, in some of these things. I think that we've come a long way in um, um, just, you know, on, on how we uh, restraint on, on issues and, and things like this. So it, it's, well, it's and, tough. And every city isn't, isn't the same right. in terms of how you police it. Uh, no, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Exactly. And the city's different. And so, um, building those relationships. So we, we've, we've come a long way. We've got a long way to go. It's, it's like anything there. You're, you're never there. It's uh there's no destination. It's a journey. Um, you know, whether it's life or tweaking law enforcement, pre-K, how it's just, you know, you just, you just keep grinding away. You take a long-term view and hopefully, you know, what you do today is a little bit better than where you were yesterday. And, um, you just appreciate the the little victories as they come. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, as it relates to CLURB, um, I, that's something that we're, um, we're not going to, we're not going to deal with this term. All right. Um, you were overseas for about two weeks yes. in October. Yes. You went to Croatia and you went to Hungary. Those both very interesting places these days. But first of all, when we when we talked about it before you left, we talked about that. And there were also some comments about Memphis and May that 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 you made. And for the record, we the interview was about your exchange trip. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about Memphis and May. It was just something that kind of came up in the, in the conversation. You've heard a lot about that. You've had some pushback on that or or not. Oh, I, I don't not 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 too much. I mean, we we got a letter from 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 Jim Holt about. I mean, it was just a, just a thought. I mean, I, you know, so no, I wouldn't say there was a lot of. I, I think a lot of people thought, hey, that's a you know, I've heard a lot of people say that's a that's a pretty good idea. So, 
Um, it, it just depends on the mission. I, mean, I, I think you can, you can culturally with children, um, whether it's five countries or, you know, a country every year, I, th- I think there, there's definitely value. Um, you, you can have the same value from a cultural standpoint. I just think to me, we economic development, more jobs, more investment here. That's what's going to continue to, um, you know, lift people out of poverty into their full potential. And I think, you know, every, anything we can do to do that would be, would be good. And, uh, you know, again, it was just kind of a, just an idea, but it's one that is, um, I've heard people say, oh yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense being right. more strategic, tying this more into economic, uh, development. So we can start to get more momentum with some of these countries that are looking to invest. And, um, and, in, and in your discussion States. point on this was, was instead of having an, an honored country every year, you, you have an honored country, but maybe you rotate it among a group of countries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's, I think as I understand it, Mimson may started really with, uh, you know, honoring Japan because Japan was, uh, making major investments in Tennessee. They are still the largest, uh, f- uh, I believe foreign investor in the state of Tennessee. And I think they have more FDI in Tennessee than any other state in the union, except for California. And so it's my understanding that's how Memphis and May kind of got started. And that was because of that. So if there are five to 10 and, and 10 is, you know, that, that's a lot of countries to honor. If you honored mm-hmm. them every 10 years or every eight years, it would rotate through. It would just simply be a way you could still, go deeper with the cultural, um, you know, inter interface with the, 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 the schools and things like that. But you would start to build, you know, r- relationships with the foundation of business or the foundation of, um, what happens in, you know, in the political realm. And so if you have those durable relationships over years with a smaller number of countries, you could still have all the international, uh, flair and everything, but probably you would start to get more deeper ties and more, investment, more businesses. Uh, I think it'd be great if we had more honorary consuls here and just, we've got an international community and I think you see that at our soccer games really. And, but you know, that, then that's something I just think as a city, we need to start promoting more is how can we really become more of an international city and start to really leverage uh, that. And I think it would, it'd Mm -hmm. be good for, um, you know, for everybody. So just, just an idea. So, so the organization that that sponsored this trip to to Croatia and Hungary is not Memphis and May. It's a different organization, different different setup on it. Your group, it, it, these, these are local officials, kind of a local to local level, uh, and you met with the Croatian president. Yeah, so the American Council of Young Political Leaders has been doing bilateral exchanges with America and, 40 co- and foreign countries for since the 60s. They do about 25 to 30 exchanges per year. They send bipartisan delegations uh, overseas, and they also receive those, uh, those delegations. And so um, we had a great group. We had a school board member from Dallas, a city council person, and also the vice mayor of Southgate, uh, out Southgate California, suburb of L.A., uh, state rep from Wisconsin, and we had three people that were in kind of lobbying, one for Motion Picture Association of America, one for the Mississippi Manufacturers Association, and someone from Google. So it was a, it was a great, we had a really, really good group. And um, the, actually the Croatian president, we actually did not get to meet with her, unfortunately, because she is a Fulbright scholar, and she received a Lifetime Achievement Award um, from uh, in, in, in D.C. that day. So she her, okay. her schedule changed, but so she was here while you were. That's there. right. But we had we had I mean had a lot of really uh, interesting uh, meetings with members of parliament, cabinet members, uh, ambassadors, 
and uh, really got to get a sense of kind of what was going on, uh, you know, over in Croatia, Hungary, Central Europe, and kind of within the you know European politics, which has a great effect on on us as well. Hungary is a very interesting place these days. Uh, they have a new leader who has who has taken the country to the right. Uh, what were your impressions of what you saw there? So, I, you know, I would say I, I wouldn't I wouldn't characterize it as as taking it to the right because I, I think what he is what it's Viktor Orban and he's been now in power back in power about a decade. They were in power and they lost to the to the socialist and then they came back in about a decade ago. And uh, so I, I, you know, in, in in America we say right and left. It's kind of Republican Democrat or more conservative liberal. And, um, I, they are, yeah, you would call them a, you know, a, you know, a far right, whatever, because of some of their rhetoric, which mm-hmm. is much like the kind of Trump rhetoric, but really it hasn't really shifted to the right. Some of the rhetoric is that, and it's in my view, um, really communicating to people's fears and the, and the, you know, not the hopes and dreams, but these migrants, these immigrants, they're going to come change that kind of thing, change our way of life. But what he's done is uh, basically taken over the media. I mean, d- democracy he's basically destroyed democracy. So they've got a bit of a shell democracy there. They still have elections, but they changed the constitution once they got back in power, where if you get 50% of the vote, you get two thirds of the votes in, uh, in parliament. They've uh, controlled about 80 to 90% of the media. We actually had dinner one night with the, I'm doing air quotes here, the chairman of the air quote foundation, uh, that oversees their their media, and uh, it's very it's very scary what's happened in ten years and how they have gone um, from you know a, a true democracy to uh, a very kind of um, you know almost a dictator style authoritarian yeah authoritarian mm-hmm. style. Um, there's a very there's a party of there called the Momentum Party, which is more their kind of centrist party, and uh, much like it sounds like uh, happened in District Seven. In the past elections, we were there at an interesting time because a couple of weeks before they had their municipal elections and all of the opposition parties just like, you know, got together. Momentum Party was the leader of it. And they ran against Fidesz, which is Viktor Orban's party. And they had a lot of success in the municipal elections, like the mayor of Budapest, as an example, a lot of the big cities kind of changed over and uh, w- which was very interesting. So we met with, uh, you know, the Momentum Party leaders about um, you know, and actually the week I stayed over a couple of days after, uh, Putin was there on, on Wednesday during our trip, we were there. And then a cu- that same day, uh, the government like raided the, uh, momentum parties offices, you know? And so you've got these intimidation mm. tactics and, and, uh, and it's, you know, it's, and it's, it's really, it's really scary. And you look at what's, what happened in history in the 1930s and forties with Germany, um, it, it kind of, it, it, it felt a little bit of the same, a lot of, uh, ultra nationalism, really kind of ethno nationalism. Um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was scary. And, you know, I'll say this, we, we toured a thing that was called the house of terror. And it was, first of all, Hungary and Croatia are wonderful countries, Zagreb, Croatia, Budapest, Hungary, wonderful cities, nice people, amazing places, very resilient. If you look at what they've been through and kind of where they are, these countries punch way above their weight. And, um, you know, Hungary, you had the, they were the, the, you know, the Nazis in the, in the you know, mid forties. And then, um, then the communists until, you know, the late eighties, early nineties or whatnot. So, but they're, they're doing, they're doing great. And, uh, we, there's a house called the house of terror and it was this jail where they, 
um, interrogated people and things like this. And, and, uh, one of the things on the wall that they had at that time, it said, you know, don't just guard them, hate them. And I saw it was very chilling and it's, and you wonder, golly, how, how can people do that to other humans? How, how do you get to that point? And, you know, I, and it, it concerns me for where we are sometimes as a country or some of the political rhetoric you hear. And, and that's why I, I talk about relationships and mutual respect in these things, because, you know, the, there's somewhere on the continuum of making fun of people on Twitter and, you know, they're evil and we can't have dinner with them. They're a different party and they're the enemy. And if they don't think like I do, you know, it's on the continuum of there to you get to where you are, you know, you, 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 you hate people and you'll do. It. And so it was, it was really kind of a wake up call for, for me. Cause you always wonder how could people do that? Where does that start? How does that start? And, uh, I just get, I, you know, it was just concerning and, and mm-hmm. sobering really. So, um, and, uh, so hopefully I'll be able to do a little bit of work to kind of help some pro democracy, you know, efforts. So over there, there've been hearings, there's a hearing this week in the house intelligence committee, I believe it was, or foreign relations committee on what's going on over there. So, you've got these, um, authoritarian governments coming in and, you know, in Poland and some other countries. And it's really the new kind of, uh, it's really the new, um, frontier for the fight for freedom. And unfortunately our foreign policy, which for the past 50 or 60 years has focused on democratic principles and freedom and all these things, um, under the current president, it's become much more transactional. And a lot of those things have been, uh, kind of swept aside and that's very, uh, discouraging as well. So I'm, I'm hoping that's one thing that will, will change. And some of the, you know, the leadership in Washington will, you know, because the, these values transcend, you know, these, these transactional kind of issues with like NATO partners, Turkey is an example as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's, it's just concerning. Um, there's news in South Korea where, you know, on the Korean peninsula where, um, I think the president wanted to up there what they pay our troops by, hundred, you know, just a, a, by a lot, billions and billions of dollars. And, you know, it's like, it's a real estate deal or something. And th- these aren't, these aren't deals. I mean, we're, you know, it's, uh, this public dip- the diplomacy. It's, mm-hmm. So it's just very fascinating. And, uh, but it has big implications for, for, for us as a country as well. So. All right. And we'll leave it there. We've been talking with City Council Chairman Kemp Conrad. The police surveillance consent decree is our topic on WKNO's Behind the Headlines this week. Memphis Police Director Michael Rawlings and City Chief Legal Officer Bruce McMullen are our guests for an in-depth conversation about the ruling this week denying the city's move to change the terms of the 1978 decree. You can also hear the program on the Behind the Headlines podcast. Subscribe to The Daily Memphian at dailymemphian.com. You can subscribe to this podcast at Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find us on Twitter at DM and at Daily Memphian. I'm Bill Drees. The Daily Memphian Politics Podcast is produced by Hira Qureshi and comes to you on the OAM Network. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.